Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
today, we're going to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 36, and then we'll go to Ezra chapter 1. Now we've been uh, studying uh, throughout the book of Jeremiah. We see uh, from Jeremiah's writings that Israel was to go into captivity under Babylon because of their rejection of God, because of the sin in the nation. Uh, Judah was to be punished, but yet I want us to see that in God's discipline, there's always restoration. Amen. God does not discipline His people for their destruction, but rather He disciplines us for our own good, as a father would discipline a child to bring out what is the best in us, to change the course of our direction if we're going in a way contrary to His will. God uh, is a good God. Amen. And he wants reconciliation. Second Chronicles chapter 36 and then Ezra chapter 1. You know, reconciliation or being put back into a right relationship with someone requires forgiveness. And it requires a change of heart. Can I get a witness? Amen. And at least one party, in this case it's God, to this conflict has to be willing to reconcile. Now what we'll see in this message today in Judah is that the majority of those were not willing to be reconciled to God. It seems to be that way all the time. There's only a remnant that will respond. And God always deals with, if you are a student of Scripture, a remnant. Even today within the church, there is always a remnant that will serve and obey God. And you and I want to make it a part, a, a part of our lives to be a part of that remnant church, that remnant people that will live for Him. Amen? And uh, we'll see that uh, they were to go into captivity for 70 years, and then they were to return. I want to talk about return from exile today. You know, when we sin or we disobey God, we always go into captivity. We always are made a prisoner of that which we yield ourselves to. And God wants to bring us out. If we're in captivity to things today, God wants to bring us out into His freedom. And we'll see here as we look at it, uh, Judah, uh, they're an object lesson. Now what we'll see, uh, after 70 years of exile, many were ready to walk again in the ways of God and obey His commandments. Isn't that how it is with us? Sometimes when we go into our own self-imposed exile or exile because of uh, reaping what we've sown, uh, oftentimes we, we reevaluate ourselves while we're in captivity and say, you know what, I don't think I want that again. 
Now there are those who just stay in captivity. They don't they don't get out. They never free themselves from that prison. But I don't know about you, uh, there's been times when I've disobeyed God and I've gone into captivity and I made up my mind after suffering for a time. I said, man, I don't want to go back into that. I want to get out of that. I want to serve you. And that captivity did a good thing. It brought me to a place of change in my life where I said, God, I'm going to go your way now. Hallelujah. No longer my own way. We'll look at three things today that deal with return from exile. Maybe you're in exile today. God wants you to return. He wants you to return to a relationship with Him. Somebody say amen. amen. And to have peace and joy in your life. We'll see three things. Number one, desolation and bondage always come because of sin against God. 2 Chronicles 36.19 We have in a nutshell in three verses encapsulating what we read about in the book of Ezra and the, and the book of Nehemiah. And here's what the chronicle, chronicler says. And they burnt, that is the Babylonian under Nebuchadnezzar, they burnt the house of God, they broke down the wall in Jerusalem, they burnt all the palaces thereof with fire, they destroyed all the goodly vessels or all the valuables therein. And then... Them that had escaped from the sword, the sword always means warfare, they were carried away into Babylon where they were servants to Nebuchadnezzar and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia. The Judahites would not respond to the prophet Jeremiah, his call to repent, to turn away from their own ways, to turn away from their sin, and to turn back to God and live for Him. They broke God's covenant that they entered into with Moses on Mount Sinai some hundreds of years earlier. They'd gotten to the point that they just would not obey God. Now specifically, what they broke that was so devastating to the Jews even to this day is they did not obey the land Sabbath. They were told by God, you know, we have a weekly Sabbath. You work six days and on the, on the seventh it's to the Lord. <laughs> And we worship Him on the Sabbath. That's a weekly Sabbath. But they were also told to work the land for crops for six years, and on the seventh they were not. They were to let it lay fallow. Well, for seventy years or four hundred ninety years that they were in the land, they never obeyed that. And God said, "Look, I, you agreed to the covenant." You didn't obey it, so 70 years or 490 years of judgment would be required. Do you know to this day there are seven years left of that judgment to be fulfilled on Israel? And it's called, we, we call it the, the tribulation. The 70th week of Daniel. You'll find that prophecy in chapter 9 of Daniel. Seven years are yet to be fulfilled. But here he was saying, I'm going to send you into exile okay, for 70 years and then I'll let a remnant go back and rebuild my house. Now look at this here, verse 21. He says, I want to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah. And you'll find that in Jeremiah's uh, book. Until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths for as long as she lay desolate, she keeps the Sabbath to fulfill three score and ten years or seventy years. Daniel knew while he was in Babylon that, and then in, later in Persia that 
70 years were about up. So what did Daniel do? You remember we studied Daniel a couple summers ago. He started praying and seeking the Lord and fasting for 21 days. What resulted in that was the up to that time, and you may say even more than John, I don't know in Revelation, it's either, either or, you tell me, but up to that time, a human being had never received a revelation from God like Daniel had. I mean, God showed, sent the angel Gabriel, showed him what would happen to his people at the end of time, and showed him what would take place in the future. And it was all based on that captivity, that 70 weeks of years. And here he's saying that uh, that the Lord was going to fulfill His Word. So when God judged Judah and punished them, He also gave them word that He was going to deliver them. What does that tell us? Think about that for a moment. You know, the people of God were, were having a problem in their life. Just like you and I have problems. And we're like, oh, I, I, this is happening to me. I don't know why. I don't understand. God knows everything. Well, God must be mad at us. He's going to wipe us out. Well, that's not what the Word says, but that's what our hand says. Amen? The Word says, I'm going to let you go in for 70, then you're going to come out, then I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do that. So all we need to do is read His Word. And there are a few who do. Amen? Here, Daniel was reading the Word. He said, we're about to come out of captivity. Glory to God. Because God is sovereign over history. He's sovereign over your life. And over mine as well. Oh, hallelujah. That ought to give you some comfort. Nothing you get involved in is, is taking him by surprise. You know, my sleep disturbance is not taking him. Uh, Roger's leg, arm, that's not taking him by. Come on now. He's got a plan. Amen. But Judah sinned and God punished them. Why do we have punishment? In the world. Let me get real. Why do you punish your children if you're a parent here? Because you hate them? Everybody said, because we love them. You know, there have been times in my life, I look back, I shudder in fear of some of the things I've done. I'm stone serious. Some of us here have been in jail. I've been in jail. And you know what? I can look back today and thank God I got locked up. Somebody looking at me saying, no, you're crazy preacher. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh, no, I do. Because I'd be dead. Anybody ever ingest so much illicit drug into your body that you thought you was going to die? Have you ever seen people? I, 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 I have been knocked on the floor. I have watched friends die. Sometimes being locked up, going into captivity, is a good thing. Amen. Now, you know, there are people who go into captivity and then they'll get out, but they'll keep going right back because they don't learn nothing. But you know what? I learned something. Come on now. I learned I like my freedom. I learned I like, and I know I, I like my life no matter how bad it may be to somebody else. I like it. And I thank God that He did what He did for me over the years. 
Because it saved my life. <coughs> I was on a course set for destruction. He intervened by locking me up. At the time, did I like being locked? Not really. <laughs> Who does? But I look back, and he was kind to me. Oh, hallelujah. You know, he did that with Judah. He locked a whole nation up in a land called Babylon. He said, you people are crazy. You've lost your mind. If I do not lock you up and punish you for your sin against me, no one will be saved. You see, what we're dealing with, church, I want you to understand this. We're looking at dealing with eternity. You're an eternal person. You will live beyond this life. You'll either spend your life in hell, away from God, or you'll spend your life with God. The choice is up to you. Now, God will allow you to go through and He'll allow me to go through difficult times so that it'll get our attention. But we still have a choice. Now, we're going to read about something that to me is very sad. But God was showing His people and He was promised, promising to restore them, but only a few, only a few responded. Isn't that how it is today? Why is the path that leads to destruction, but narrow is the road that leads to life? Why is that? I don't know. I mean, that don't make no sense. Somebody's offering you eternal life, and all you got to do is follow him. What's the big deal? I'm going to do my own thing, do it my own. You'll end up in hell. What is that? Return. I don't know. I want to be returned from exile. Amen. God's returned me from exile. I don't want to go back again. Amen. Into captivity. We see that. Desolation and bondage always come by sin. Number two, we see the promise of restoration. The promise of restoration. In Ezra chapter 1, this is really a cool passage of Scripture when you really think about it and consider it. There was a king, his name was Cyrus. Now we know Daniel had the vision of the empires, Nebuchadnezzar the head of gold, and he was the lion. And then we had uh, the Media-Persian Empire, the kingdoms of Media and Persia. And Daniel had the vision of the bear that had the three ribs in his mouth that raised itself up on one side. In other words, one kingdom will be more powerful than the other. Uh, the Medes came in under Darius. Remember the story of Daniel in the lion's den? And then the Persians came to power also after that and became the stronger of the two empires. Then after Media Persia came Greece, then came Rome. We're waiting on and seeing the revived Roman Empire that the Antichrist will take over. That's what we're looking at now, a new world order forming in our day. God's prophecies are coming to pass. But Daniel lived at that time but here we see Cyrus coming into power. Now Cyrus was mentioned, I believe it was Isaiah, talked about Cyrus rebuilding God's temple. But he wrote it hundred and some years before Cyrus was even born. Isn't that also about God? And, and, and here Cyrus come in, a conqueror of Babylon, 
And the Jews that were exiled there, the priests, they, they come out to meet him. Had all these books, scrolls in their hands. And they come out to meet this conqueror, this warrior. And, and, and Cyrus is like, well, uh, come forth, talk to me. But the old Jewish scribe walks up and says, you the man that the Bible, our scriptures say, is going to come and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem and, and, and allow us to go back. This pagan king, he, he didn't know anything about that. He said, yeah, he said, I've written about it in your book. Yeah, he wrote in your hundred years, called you by name, Cyrus. Well, the king, he, he, he just like, the great God of heaven spoke about me a hundred years ago that I would come and rebuild a temple and that I would be the king of all the earth. Well, I want to know about this God. This sounds like a pretty good thing. And I kind of like these Jews. Kind of like these Jews. They, they speak good of me. So God automatically got in on, got his people in on his good side, you see. Look at uh, Ezra chapter 1, verses 1. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the word of the Lord, by the mouth of Jeremiah, that it might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. Who stirred him up? The Lord. The Lord stirred him up. How did he stir him up? By sending out the, the, the people of God, the scribes and the prophets and the, and the priests. And they, they were excited. This is the one spoken of, Lord. And Cyrus was stirred up by that. He like fired up. See, the Scripture tells us as New Testament that God is able to make all grace abound to you for every good thing. So God was giving the Israelite or the Judaites, I always say Israel, but technically it's Judah. And the word Judah uh, is used. Who, who do you know that came from the tribe of Judah? Jesus. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Yehuda. There's no J in the Hebrew alphabet. Yehuda or Judah. You know, remember Hitler persecuted, they had the signs and uh, nine Juden. Well, the Jew, the word Jew that we get today comes from the tribe of Judah. That's why they're called the Jews today. The ten tribes were lost to the Assyrian Empire. Only Judah, Benjamin, and the Levites were there around Jerusalem at that time. I'll give you a little history lesson there. But in that first year, Cyrus shows up. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, and he made a proclamation throughout all of his kingdom and put it in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he's charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Now here God had exiled the Judites for their sin, but now he's promising to restore them back to the land and build the temple again. Isn't that awesome? They should have been done away with. You know, when I, I was doing my rebellion against God, I, I should have been wiped out if you want to know the truth. God could have, should have, could have, should have took me right out. But He had mercy. He had mercy on me. 
And I'm still here. Hallelujah. God should have wiped out the Jews because they were so bad at that time. But He had mercy. What kind of God do we serve? A God of love and mercy. Amen. And now He's given grace to these same Jews. You see, they're given permission to rebuild the temple. And He begins to instill in the people hope for the future. Every person in here today has a future. Do you have hope for your future? Or have you lost hope? I want to say this. If you realize and you know God is sovereign, He has a plan for your life. He's allowed you to breathe air right now. You have hope for your future. Let me say this. God has a glorious future for you. For everyone here. He has a glorious future. No matter how you feel, or no matter how you think about it, I can tell you by His Word, He has a glorious future. The, the, the reality is we need to, to say yes, Lord, I'll follow you. To realize that future. Somebody say amen. amen. I just need to follow you. And He'll make it happen. Look at verse uh, 3 here. Who is there among you of all His people, that is the people of God, the people of Judah, that is God is with Him, let Him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. For He is the God which is in Jerusalem. Cyrus wrote down a decree in writing, verbally and then in writing, and says, any of you people here of Judah that have faith in God, you, you're going to be able to go back and build the house of the Lord. You're going to go back to Jerusalem. Now history tells us, and we have we're reading an encapsulation this morning, but he lists all the people that go back. And it's quite a number of people. Uh, quite a number. But out of the whole, it's really not. The majority of the people decided we're not going to go back. We're going to stay here in Babylon and live our lives here. And we're not going back. Do you know there are a lot of people in the world that we live in today that start off following God. But for some reason, they get too comfortable in the world that we're in. And when God tries to restore them and bring them back, they say, nah, I'm comfortable right here where I'm at. I'm going to stay here. Do you know they miss out on God? They miss out on His blessing? They miss out on His intent for their lives? You know, let's make it a, make it a point not to do that. God wants to restore. You know He wants to restore us because we all get tarnished. We all become broken at some point. And we need restoration. We all need. That's a part of life. Let's let Him restore us. And when He offers it to us, like He was here the people of Judah, we need to take Him up on that. Amen? And say, Lord, I'm going to go back and rebuild the house of the Lord. See, we need to rebuild the altars of God in our life because sometimes they get... They get toppled over. Sometimes they become broken. They, they're no longer being used in our lives. You know, the Jews could no longer go and pray before God in Jerusalem. It was taken away from them. But, but yet he say, He's inviting them to come back. Come back and, and, and My presence will be with you. Come back and, and, and renew your covenant with Me. Come back. That's what God is saying. And, and thank God for a remnant. There were those who were excited. The Bible says there were some old-timers who had remembered 
She only 70 years that went by. Man, they might have been 80 or 90, but they remembered the temple in Jerusalem. They remembered the, the God who dwelt among the cherubim. They remembered the sacrifice and the oblation in the morning and the evening offering. They remembered singing the praises of God in Zion. And they couldn't wait to get back. Because, you know, I don't know about you, being in captivity is not a good thing. It's not a good thing for me. I don't like being in prison. I don't like being in bondage. Hello? I want freedom. But not freedom to go back and do what's wrong. Freedom rather to serve God and live for Him and to worship Him. Freedom to have a relationship with Him. Amen? Amen. Freedom. And God was offering that to His people. He was promising restoration. He was giving them hope for their future. And that's the kind of God we serve, church, to this day. Hope. He, he wants you to come to an expected end. Not an unexpected end. An expected end. A good end. He, his thoughts toward you are, yea, and even so be it. Hallelujah. Then rose up, verse 5, the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all them whose spirit God had raised to go up to build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. Oh, hallelujah. God had even been preparing them, the people. Has God been preparing you for a work in your life? Has God been raising up your spirit inside of you? Or are you just going along on autopilot, wondering what life has in store? I don't know. God's raised up my spirit. He said, man, you're in a, a prophetic time, son. You're in a time when I'm going to do great things. And I'm going to use you as a vessel in that day, in that time. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. I'm ready to be used by you. I know we're living in an exciting time because Jesus is coming. He's coming back to set up a kingdom. And we have a job to do, church. Come on, that's to reach a lost world with a gospel that can save. You know, the gospel can save from the uttermost to the guttermost. Hallelujah. Or rather, the guttermost to the othermost. Amen. And we have that word, that ministry of reconciliation given to us by the Lord. And we're in a time when people need Christ. We're in a time when the, the nations of the world, including this one, is heading into darkness. A time where the prophets of old said, darkness covers the earth, but gross darkness the people. A time when people they, they don't are not able to discern their left hand from their right. That's the day we're living in today. But we have, a, we have a purpose to be here. Hallelujah. God's preparing His bride. He's preparing us to come back and rule with Him. But in the meantime, we're going to reach some people while we're here. Come on now. He's bringing us out of exile. If you've been in exile, you need to come out so that we can go in. We need to rebuild those altars. We need to re rebuild and rekindle our relationship with the Lord. We need to be on fire. Hallelujah. Some folk they get they just smoke it a little bit. Smoke it. Just you got smoke coming off of them. You know what I mean? But but you know you need to you need to let that smoke turn into a flame. Come on. It's a little air on it. Don't be smoking. <laughs> be burning, hallelujah. <laughs> you gotta kind of blow them embers, blow them embers off. Get down to where it's good and throw some fresh wood on that. Come on now. Like that thing. Let's just put a little gas. Put some Holy Ghost on that. Like that. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody said, you, you preach against cigarettes, preacher? I said, no, if somebody's smoking, they just better be on fire. Come on. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. God stirred the people up to go back and build the house of the Lord. Thirdly, restoration brings change. You know, God loves us like we are, but He loves us enough not to leave us like we are. You know, some folks, they really like themselves. You know what I mean? I really, but you know what? I, I don't like myself. Like, I, I need change. Yeah. And you ever been around somebody just so in love with themselves? They kind of stink, don't they? They're like, well, you love yourself, but you ain't all that. <laughs> None of us are, amen? We all need to allow God to change us. And that's what He wants to do. And, and that restoration would bring change. If we move over to chapter 3 of Ezra, and we'll conclude there today, I want to try to get into some Nehemiah and, and also some of the difficulties the people faced when rebuilding uh, next week, the Lord willing. But right now we'll kind of encapsulate it and see God stirring up His people and see that worship is restored back to Judah. You know, that's what we need all the time in our lives. When we get away from God, or we've been in captivity, or we've been away from God, we need God to restore us. We need a heart given to us that, that can worship Him. Because you and I were created. We were made by God, church, to worship Him. And unless we do... We're not going to be complete. We're not going to have a sense of who we are. We need to worship Him. And we need to have an altar built within our own heart. Look at verses 1 of chapter 3. And when the seventh month was come, I don't know where Robbie is. He's in the back with, with the babies. Something about that seven, ain't it, Robbie? Amen. Amen. <laughs> I mean, is God into numbers or what? Huh? In the seventh month, I don't know if it was the seventh day and the seventh hour and the seventh minute on the seventh second. Praise God. But God, let me know He's always on time. He's never late. Amen. He's never late. On the seventh month, when it was come, the children of Israel were in their cities. The people gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. The people had been brought back into the land. They were all living in their towns and just outside and around Jerusalem. And the people were as one. They had a, a singleness of purpose. That I, I, just reminds me of Acts chapter 2 in the New Testament when the day of Pentecost was fully come. When the seventh month had fully come, they was one living in their cities. When they were all with one mind and one accord in the upper room, hallelujah, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it sat upon each of them. See, there's something about being together in one mind and in one accord. God can move. Things can get done. Things can be built. As a church, we can build things 
when we're all of one mind and one accord, when we're all on the same page we, and working together, God can move through that unity and do great things. That's good preaching whether you know it or not. Come on. One mind and one... See, it's not all about individualism. It's about His will being done. And God brought the people's hearts together as one. Oh, hallelujah. You know the greatest miracles I've ever seen in Christianity in 35 years was when the, when the people were one. I mean, man, people coming into church. Why were they there? Man, we're coming here to meet with the Lord. We're coming to get into God's presence. God showed up every time. Folk today is like, well, you know, I'm going because I, I know I'm supposed to. I'm going to go because I have to. I'm going to go because they're making me. they twisted my arm. God ain't showing up in that people alone. When you come with expectation and you're like, God, I, 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 want you, I need you, God. I want you to move in my life, Lord. And everybody's on that page. I've seen things that you wouldn't believe. In the natural, I've seen miracles, signs, and wonders. Unity, accord, one mind. Hallelujah. There's something to be said about that. Well, here collectively, God had an entire remnant of people that He had worked in their lives to bring them to this place so that His name could be reestablished in Jerusalem. Now, I'm going to give you a little history lesson. Sadly to say, and God worked through that remnant. And, and some hundred, few hundred years later, Jesus would show up at that rebuilt temple and show Himself to the remnant people that were in the land that He was their Messiah. He would be rejected by the people. They once again would fall into apostasy. The temple would be destroyed 35 years after the crucifixion. Just like Jesus said it would be. But my friend, I'm here to tell you, God's going to rebuild it one more time. One more time it's going to be rebuilt. I do not believe it will rebuild, be rebuilt until the church is removed. We saw the video a few weeks back on Sunday from Israel, a commercial, TV commercial, about rebuilding the temple. They're ready. We see violence on that temple mount on a daily basis. They have shut it down just this week. We, we see... There's a war taking place, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. The Israelis know they're in a war. But my Bible says they're going to not be driven out of the land again, but rather they're going to inhabit the land and rebuild the temple. To And why will they rebuild the temple? And why will God allow it to be done? So they reinstitute the covenant and that 70th week, that final week of seven years is instituted. At the end of that 70th week, Jesus, the Messiah, will return and set up an everlasting kingdom. We're very close, friends. We're very close. Why, why do you take these prophecies and you specifically believe just what I said? Because look what God said to these people in Judah 2,600 years ago. He did exactly what He said He would do for them. Why would He not do it again and fulfill the same prophecies to a T? Of course He will. Of course He will. That's why I believe it. 
people gathered together as one. Notice it says as one man to Jerusalem. You know, Jesus only has one bride. Church. One bride. Not many different brides. One bride comprised of regenerated people who are following Him. One bride. We are to be as one. Verse 2 says this, Then stood up... Now, I want to show you the precision of God. Then stood up Jeshua. How many have that in their Bible? How many know what that means? Jeshua. Jesus. We interpret that as Jesus. Then stood up Jesus, the son of Yozhadak, and his brethren, the priest, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and his brethren, and they builded the altar of God of Israel to offer burnt offerings thereon, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. So these men rose up, and they built the altar of God. Notice it was headed by a man named Jesus. Jesus, Yeshua, you can interpret it several ways. Yahshua, Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus. And the word means my salvation. My salvation stood up and built the altar. And the people began to worship the Lord. See, there's a Jesus that's going to stand up at the end. Come on, man. And He's going to rebuild the altar of God and reinstitute the worship between His people and their God. His name is Jesus. This is a type. This is a type of one who was to come. Now Jesus did show up some 400 years later, but they rejected Him. And He said, that's alright, I'll come back again, and then you'll say, blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Because now they'll come through great tribulation. Why is Israel going to go through great tribulation? And great captivity and great difficulty because they, that God's going to harm them? No, He's going to turn the remnant back to Him. You have an adversity in your life? You're in a good spot. You got difficulty going on in you? God's trying to do something in you. Just, just let Him do His work. Yield to Him. Verse 3 says, When they set the altar upon the bases... For fear was upon them because of the people at those countries, and they offered burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord, even burnt offerings morning and evening. Now, fear was upon the Israelites. This is what I want to talk about next week. Because here, while they're building the altar, Satan is there trying to stop them. That's next week's message. While you're trying to get back with God and serve the Lord, the devil's going to come and try to mess you up. Hello? Long story short, he didn't win. They built the altar in spite of what the devil was doing. And the people were afraid because their lives were in jeopardy. They were putting hit list on them. What's going on in Israel today? Walk down in Jerusalem and they get stabbed. They're killing little kids. and You don't never know what they're throwing rocks at people. Hurling grenades. I mean, that's what's going on. That's fear. But are the Jews stopping going to the temple to pray? The temple man? No, they, they're still there. They're, in spite of the fear, they're going to press in on God. And church, that's what you and I need to do. In spite of the fear of what will happen to us in serving God, we need to serve God. 
You shouldn't worry about what somebody thinks or what somebody may do to you or what somebody may... You just serve God. You live for Him. Praise God. Let the chips fall. God knows how to preserve and protect you. He knows how to take care of His own. The people were stirred up. And worship was restored. You just need maybe today get stirred up. Hallelujah. I know from time to time I need the Lord to stir me up. Oh, hallelujah. So He can do something. I say, Lord, stir me up. Hallelujah. So I can get something done for you. Stir me up. Restoration is a right relationship with God. And you know, it has to be preceded by, really by true repentance. We must acknowledge our sin before the Lord and fully place our trust in Him. Just like Israel. Just like Judah. You know, the Holy Spirit must be allowed to search our hearts and reveal our sin to us. You know, that Scripture, search me and try me, O Lord. Remember David, he said, if there is any wicked way in me, Lord, Make me right. My prayer often is, Lord, if I'm wrong, I want to be right. Forgive me of my sin. John said, if we say we have no sin, we're a liar. And we make Him out to be a liar. But if we, if we confess our sin to Him, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God always desires to restore us so that He can bless us. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Did you hear that? He wants to restore you so that He can bless you. Man, that's exciting. He wants to bless us. We can trust in God's promises to restore us if we repent. The truth is we can trust God for all of His promises. That's your cue. Amen. <laughs> we can trust Him for all of His promises because He's trustworthy. Yes. He's, he's yea and even so be it. He is faithful. What's that name written on His thigh? Faithful and true. Hallelujah. Praise God. What do we need from God today, church? God has promised to meet all of our needs through Christ today. What is your need? I know one thing we need. We need return from exile. We need to be in His presence and in right relationship with Him. Let's stand this morning. Oh, Father, we give You praise today. We thank You, Lord, for Your presence that's here in this place today, in this sanctuary. Lord, we worship You. We magnify You, Lord. For You are God and there is no other. Maybe you're here today you say, Pastor, I, I hear what you're saying. And I'm not singling out any person. I, I'm saying, I believe God is singling out all of us here today. Every one of us. Including myself. Take a moment of time. Lift your hands toward heaven. Say, Preacher, why do you, why do you ask us to lift our hands toward heaven? It's an act of surrender. Well, who am I surrendering to? To, to the Lord. Just take a moment and say, say, Lord, move in my life. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me, O oh God. Make me the person I need to be. Father, I thank you for doing just that. I give you praise. And I want you to take a moment of time. Just, just worship the Lord. Say, God, I thank you that you've given me life. You've given me breath. I give you praise. In Jesus' name.
fellowship with one another as we spend time with you and with each other. Lord, let your presence be with us. And throughout this week, Lord, many of us are going through many different things and trials in our lives. But Lord, we thank you that we don't go it alone, that you're with us, that we pray for one another and that that bond is, is not broken. Lord, we just give you praise today. Bless your people, Lord. In Jesus' name, everyone say Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.